just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Well, Friday was a crazy day. A lot of things going on. Let's be honest. There always seems to be a lot of things going on. Dramatic, dramatic, tragic, all kinds of things always happening. And today, well, I had some good news and I have some bad news. Let's start out with the bad first. Well, we know about Kyle Rittenhouse being on trial. He's a 17-year-old boy that decided to travel from Illinois up to Kenosha, Wisconsin with an AR-15. He didn't have his license, so he had Mommy drive him to a protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Here's what I find ironic. He didn't have his license, so he wanted to be legal and have Mom drive him up there. But He didn't bother with worrying about having a gun at 17 years old, a semi-automatic weapon, and walking through the streets of Kenosha. He kind of picks and chooses which laws he wants to break. And what about the mom? If your kid comes to you and says, Mom, here's the deal. I'm going to take my AR-15. I'm going up to this protest. I'm going to protect businesses I don't own. And maybe I'll, you know, I'll do some help with medical stuff. I was a cadet for the EMTs. I'm not actually an EMT, but I can go up there and help people if they've skinned their knees or twisted an ankle or something like that. And mom says, well, that sounds like fun. That sounds like a good idea. Let's go up there. Have you seen mom being interviewed on TV? This woman has no more business raising a hamster, let alone a child. Not the smartest person I've ever seen. She's obviously delusional, and this is probably why Kyle Rittenhouse thought he could do what he did. Well, now it's not just mom saying you can do what you did. Now it's the judicial system in Wisconsin that says, okay, it's cool. So Kyle Rittenhouse goes up to this protest. He's got an AR-15, but really he only wants to do some medical help. Things get a little riled up in this protest. And let's be honest, Kyle Rittenhouse is kind of a mouthy little white supremacist, so it isn't surprising that he caused to raise the ire of some of these protesters. That's what happened. Some of them went after him, said some things. He went after them. In the end, he shoots three people. Two of them die. So he has to go to court. When he kills somebody on the street, it's only fair that you go to court. Well, he goes to court, but we've got a judge that's obviously a Trump-humping piece of shit. He's obviously a racist and biased in every possible way. He essentially took Kyle Rittenhouse under his wing to protect him when he came in to trial, which is exactly the opposite of what a judge is supposed to do. The judge is supposed to be unbiased, just deal with the facts. But he didn't do that in this case. In fact, he was sitting there at one point and illustrated exactly who he was because his phone went off in court. Now, when phones go off in court, that usually pisses the judge off. 
But at this point, it was the judge's phone that went off. And you know what it played? It played a Trump anthem. So he identified exactly who he was right from the, right, right from the beginning. And at that point, we all knew it was trouble. And I had told you a couple of weeks ago when this trial started that I said I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Rittenhouse got off. I was hoping that wasn't the case, and I was thinking, well, maybe I'm wrong. It's pretty obvious the guy's guilty. But when the verdict came in today, and they said Kyle Rittenhouse was not guilty with, for, or for any of the charges, completely exonerated, I was disappointed, but I wasn't surprised. I mean, we know what the judge was like. We know where his head is at, and we know how he felt about this particular trial. As much as he's supposed to be fair and unbiased, that wasn't at all the case, and it was quite apparent when he started. But then you've got the jury. Now, we don't know exactly who's on the jury, but we know that they are citizens of Kenosha, Wisconsin. And we know Wisconsin has some fucked up people in it. I've often called Wisconsin the Alabama of the Midwest. I live in Minnesota right next to Wisconsin. I have occasion to go to Wisconsin. I like Wisconsin. I like some people in Wisconsin. But there is a faction of folks out there that are Trump-humping pieces of shit. They're Republican, Trumplican, racist, misogynistic, anti-Semites. And I don't know how many ended up on that jury, but apparently enough of them did. So the verdict comes down. And Kyle Rittenhouse is exonerated. Now, it's funny about Kyle Rittenhouse. He's just a kid. He's 18 years old. When he was called to testify in the court, of course, he started famously crying. Now, I never knew what the term ugly crying was before this, but now after seeing uh, Kyle Rittenhouse cry, I get it now. This guy looked absolutely foolish, and it appeared to be fake because I saw no tears. Now, when the verdict came down and he found out that he was not guilty on all charges, he once again cried and staggered and was helped to sit down because he was so overcome with relief and joy. But later on in the car, he's sitting in the back seat. Somebody got some video and it got released. And here's this cocky little piece of shit saying, oh, I knew it was going to happen because cause that's the right thing. We have to understand who Kyle Rittenhouse is. There's a lot of evidence that uh, this jury didn't see. I don't know if it would have made a difference because I think they would have cleared him no matter what. But uh, Kyle Rittenhouse has occasion to hang out with the Oath Keepers and other white supremacist groups. We've seen pictures with him giving the white supremacist sign, the OK sign. There apparently is even a video of him hitting or punching a girl. I haven't seen that video. I've heard about it a number of times, but I have not seen it. Kyle Rittenhouse is not some little cherubic child that doesn't know any better. Kyle Rittenhouse, while he's only 18, is a fucking racist piece of shit. Now, here's the problem. Whether he stays in Kenosha or goes back to Illinois, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, uh, there's going to be a lot of people out there that aren't very fond of him, that are pretty upset about this. At this stage, I haven't heard of any riots or any big protests, but... 
you can bet there's going to be some backlash from it. Now, on the other side of the coin, we've got all these white racists thinking he's a hero. He's their new buddy. We've got at least a couple of congressmen, one being Matt Gates, saying, oh, he'd be a great intern in Congress. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Like uh, Matt Gates is going to be around long enough to hire another intern. And like Mike, Matt Gates would hire an 18-year-old boy. He's more likely to hire a 14-year-old girl, if you know what I mean. Matt Gates also a piece of shit. So when you get an endorsement from Matt Gates, I wouldn't get too excited about it because Matt Gates may, in fact, end up in jail and be exposed for the animal monster that he is. Now, when this was going on, I made a comment that I said, well, if he gets off here, there's an excellent chance that he may have some trouble with the feds. He may also have some trouble with the civil court, too. Let's talk about the civil court briefly. The civil court is going to allow the victim's families to sue Kyle Rittenhouse and his family. I presume his family because he was a minor at the time. And people will say, well, they found him innocent in the uh, criminal trial. They'll just find him innocent in the uh, civil case. Well, no, that's not true. Because the way evidence is brought forth and uh, how verdicts are found, much different than criminal trials. There have been many cases where a criminal trial finds somebody innocent and then finds them guilty in civil court. One big example, O.J. Simpson. Yeah, O.J. got off with it criminally, but the uh, Goldman fa family sued his ass, and they st he still owes them millions and millions of dollars. This kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, is going to be saddled with debt like nobody's business. It's going to be way bigger than if he'd went to college. Fortunately... <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse doesn't look like college material, so he won't have to worry about funding his college education. He'll probably be on social media someplace talking about guns. But he's also potentially in some danger, which I found interesting was the judge said at the end of the trial, uh, if you need protection, we'll take care of you. Really? Is that the court's duty? Is that their job to protect a defendant who's found innocent? Protect him. What, are you going to protect him for life or just this week or what? If somebody wants to get to Kyle Rittenhouse, they're going to get to him. And Kyle Rittenhouse isn't a brave boy. Even if he has an AR-15, there are a lot of people out there that are angry. And who knows what that could turn into. But let's talk about the feds. Because I got this question a lot when I said that on TikTok. And here's the deal. People say, well, what can the feds do? Well, the feds can do pretty much whatever they want. And they say, well, does double jeopardy come into play? No, we're talking about different things. We're talking about a state trial for the criminal trial with Kyle Rittenberg, Rittenhouse. The feds will go at it totally differently. There might be some gun charges. Yeah, I know the judge in Wisconsin dropped the gun charges, but that doesn't mean the federal government has to. I mean, if you're taking guns over state lines, that's highly illegal, especially if you're 17 years old at the time. 
Now, people are saying, look, um, he had the gun in Kenosha, so he didn't bring it over state lines. Well, of course, that's what they're going to say. Nobody took enough time to find out if it was in Kenosha and he didn't bring it over the state lines in Illinois. You need to investigate that because it's interesting on his TikTok page, he's standing there with an AR-15. Now, even if the AR-15 was in Kenosha when he got there and he didn't carry it over state lines, we do know when he left Kenosha, he took the gun with him. And guess what? He took it over state lines. It was after the fact, but the law is the law. There's a lot of things the feds can do here, and a lot of things I don't even know or understand. But to give you a tip-off that they're pushing to have the feds look into it is this. Apparently, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler, says he wants Biden's DOJ to look into the Kyle Rittenhouse trial for how that trial was run. Now, over and above what they'll look at with Kyle Rittenhouse and whatever crimes he might have committed federally, this is suggesting they need to look into the trial itself, look into the judge, the prosecutors, and the defense attorneys. See how this trial run. Find out what problems were there. See if there was any uh, deficiencies or crimes committed. I mean, there was a lot about this case with this judge that it seemed like he was letting the defense team get away with a lot. And this judge didn't seem to be all there. He was talking, but wasn't always spewing a lot of words. He was saying a lot of things. He was being very aggressive toward the prosecution, but never with the defense. So there are some fishy things going there, some crazy things going on. And if Jerry Nadler has his way, the head of the <clears throat> Judiciary Committee, they are going to look into that. The DOJ is going to look into it. And if there was any misdeeds in that trial, they're going to pull it out. And then there are going to be problems. Now, I don't know if you can um, do anything with the trial once it's over, like retried. I doubt it because there is the double jeopardy thing. But the feds are on a different level. They're looking for different things. The civil courts are going to go after him, and he's probably going to lose. O.J. Simpson lost. Why not Kyle Rittenhouse? So this whole thing is over in the terms of, of Wisconsin. Now, that's what you always hear the media and the lawyers on in the media say this. As to Wisconsin, this is over. But with the federal government, the DOJ, it's not necessarily over. Now, it could be. Maybe the DOJ doesn't do anything with this, but we know Congress is asking them to. So we have to wait and see what happens. The thing about it is Kyle Rittenhouse has to be careful when he's on the street, wherever he may end up. You better make sure that he's in the area of friends, meaning white supremacists, Trumplifucks, Republicans. Because once he gets in an area where some group of people that don't like him, see him, he's going to have some trouble. You see, the thing is, with Kyle Rittenhouse's case and the fact that he got off with no convictions, kind of set a precedent. 
They're basically saying any 17-year-old kid can pick up an AR-15, walk into a protest, start some shit, and then shoot and kill people and get off scot-free. Now, this is where the Trumplicans always fuck up. They think those kinds of things only apply to them, that they're the only ones that are going to benefit from these things, but that's not true. Say you have a bunch of white supremacists like we did in Charlottesville or someplace else, and they're stirring things up or causing an insurrection for that matter. Now that we know that any Joe can walk up with a gun and start shooting people that they don't like, who's to say it doesn't go the other way around? Who's to say you don't have a white supremacist protest? Them screaming and yelling and causing problems and breaking shit? Who's to say Black Lives Matter or any other liberal group doesn't show up, starts to get in a little argument with them, and then when it gets ugly, the liberals open fire on these idiots. That's the thing that's going to turn some heads in the Republican Party. Now, I'm not hoping for something like that to happen. Violence is never good. It's never going to fix anything. But Republicans have to have a little more foresight. They don't have foresight, like in Congress, when they ignore subpoenas. They think they're smart. They think they're hot shots. But the fact of the matter is, is when the Republicans get in power, whenever that may happen, that's just told the Democrats, yeah, we don't have to deal with subpoenas. They don't have any teeth. We don't have to do a fucking thing. But these people are so arrogant, they think these things only apply to them. And the same with taking a gun to a protest, getting in a tussle, and just shooting people. Now, it could be liberals again getting shot, but maybe it's liberals that take the opposite side. And when you have white supremacists causing all kinds of problems, burning crosses, whatever the fuck they're doing, and an uh, argument ensues. That argument gets heated, and then the liberals start shooting them. You going to be okay with that? I don't think so. Here's the quandary that I have with this. Kyle Rittenhouse goes into this protest. He shoots a couple people. Now, he's the hero, and the people that got shot are the criminals. He was just protecting himself. They think Kyle Rittenhouse is the hero. Okay. But these same people that think Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero also look at it from a different point of view. Ashley Babbitt. Okay, let's put out the scene here. We've got thousands of people mounting an insurrection on our U.S. Capitol. Several of those insurrectionists, including Ashley Babbitt, are pounding on the doors, breaking the windows, trying to enter the Capitol. Ashley Babbitt crawls through a window. A police officer who is legally allowed to have a gun, who is also sworn to protect that building, the U.S. Capitol, and the people in it, then shoot this woman. I mean, she came through the window. She didn't have a gun, but she did say she would kill Nancy Pelosi and the vice president, Mike Pence. They were also trying to interrupt a constitutional event. Now, this woman was clearly a criminal, but if you talk to the Republicans, she's the hero and the cop's the criminal. You see the contrast there? You see the contradiction? Now, I know Republicans and Trumplicans aren't big with multisyllabic words. I'll just tell you, contradiction means it doesn't make sense. Better yet, Google it. (laughs) 
Look at the definition, then you'll understand what the fuck I'm talking about. But that's the thing. These people aren't looking out for America. They call themselves patriots, but they're the opposite of patriots because they're working to undermine this country. The only thing they care about when they argue is their own personal agenda. They're also looking to own the libtars and to always be right. The problem is, is they're mostly wrong, but they'll never admit it. You get in an argument with one of these people, and you can prove that they're wrong. They'll still never accept it. So there's never really any reason to argue with them. Ashley Babbitt was an insurrectionist, a domestic terrorist. She broke into a government building with the intention of killing uh, government officials and overturning an election. She is a criminal. She was told to stop. She did not. She got shot. She died. That's the way it should have gone. That's absolutely the way it should have gone. Now, some 17-year-old kid walks into a protest that he doesn't even belong in, carrying a gun he can't legally carry. He shoots and kills people from a Republican standpoint. That's all good. Kyle's a hero. You see, at best, Republicans, Trump the fucks, and all these idiots are at best confused because they don't understand even what they're saying because they switch sides at a moment's notice, depending on what's best for them. They claim to be patriots, but patriots are proud and work for their country. They're not arrogant fucks like the Republicans we see now, and they don't work to try to undermine this country and undermine democracy. When I did the Kyle Rittenhouse TikToks, I got a lot of Trumplicans coming in and giving me shit and calling names and all that stuff. I haven't really got many of those as of late because I pretty much block every Trumplifuck that I get coming through on my page. I just don't want to deal with them and I don't want to give them the opportunity to take down a video or even get me banned. I'm not here to entertain Trumplicans. I don't give a fuck about them. As I said, you can't argue with them, so what's the point? They can come in, bait you, and a lot of people will take the bait and get in an argument. But no matter how smart you are, or no matter how articulate you are, these fucking idiots aren't smart enough to understand what you're saying or even to comprehend the truth. So arguing with them is a total waste of time, so I don't fucking do it. But after doing this Kyle Rittenhouse TikTok, now I saw a bunch of Trumplicans come through. And I want to thank them. They're helping pushing my message farther by coming in, complaining, and arguing. Plus, it helps me gather up some more Trumplicans so I can fucking block them and get them out of my life. Get them off of my page. So, if there's any Trumplicans or Trumplifucks and listening to my voice today, I'm always going to speak out against Donald Trump, the Republicans, the Trumplicans. You Trumplifucks are stupid, ignorant, unpatriotic pieces of shit. And if you don't like hearing it, come on to my page. Make your complaint so I can identify you and block your ass while you're helping me push my TikToks. (laughs) All right, I got some good news coming up right after this. So now the good news. On Thursday night, the Democrats in the House of Representatives had planned to vote on the 
Build Back Better Reconciliation Bill. Get that thing cooking for once. There's been a lot of debate and a lot of arguments about it, but Nancy Pelosi felt like she had the votes on Thursday night, and she was going to vote for it. Well, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who is also a piece of shit, I'll just say that, had different ideas for Thursday night. He decided to try to go old school. Now, what I mean by old school is he did the traditional filibuster. Now, the filibuster, the way it is now, you don't really have to do anything but say, I call filibuster, and then you need the supermajority in the vote in the Senate. Well, this time there wasn't a vote he was dealing with that he was going to participate in because the Build Back Better bill vote, there was going to be no Republicans voting for it. Zero. So they didn't really matter. And it wasn't important because the Democrats have the majority. It's a thin majority, but a majority nonetheless. Once it was voted on, it was going to pass. But this bug Kevin McCarthy, so he thought he'd own the libtards. <laughs> he couldn't win shit, so he thought he'd be a little prick and try to uh, slow things down. So he did that. He stepped up to the podium, started talking and talking and talking and talking, trying to avoid or delay the inevitable. And he talked for eight fucking hours. Now, in that eight hours, he never said one thing that was worth a shit that anybody would remember had any impact or any substance at all. He was just blabbing away. Now, when you're in the House and if you're a representative, you can come up and talk, but you only got a minute. Now, with the leaders in the House, they can talk as long as they want. And that's exactly what Kevin McCarthy did. He was mad that this thing was going to pass. Now, why is he mad that it's going to pass? Is he against pre-K financing? Is he, is he against cheaper health care? Is he against um, getting rid of lead pipes in Michigan and stop people from being sick? Everything in this Build Back Better bill is good for the middle class. But for whatever reason, Kevin McCarthy doesn't like it. Apparently, Kevin McCarthy, who is a representative in the House of Representatives, doesn't want to do things for the middle class or the people that need it, which seems contrary to what his job description should be. So anyways, he goes up there and talks, tries to be funny, he's not funny, tries to be compelling, he's not compelling, tries to be intelligent, and he's not intelligent. All he did is talk for eight hours about nothing, nothing just to delay the vote. So that's well and good, but the fact of the matter is the next morning, Friday morning, they voted on the bill, and it passed. <laughs> nice job, Kev. All you did is delay it about 12 hours. But it still passed, and you still look stupid, because it's going to do a lot of good for the people of this country, and guess what? Not one Republican is willing to vote for it. So when all that good starts happening and you start to try to take credit, well, everybody's going to let it know exactly what happened. People should know this anyway. I don't understand the intelligence of this country. A Republican tell you a flat-out lie and you take it as the truth. What, you don't fucking read? You don't watch television? You don't listen to the Rational Boomer podcast? What the fuck is wrong with you? You should know at least the difference between lies and bullshit and the truth. 
It seems like a pretty easy concept. Most people have it. But this faction of people that followed Donald Trump and the rest of the trump just can't grasp reality or truth. And that's troubling. But just wait until the Build Back Better deal starts to work and people start liking it. All these Republicans will say, what a great deal. We did it for your state, our state, for the people. Now, you didn't do shit because the Republicans, the only thing they do is obstruct. The only thing they've passed in the last five, six years is the tax cut for the rich. There were crumbs for the, the, the middle class, but it was only temporary. That's now been taken back. But those rich people still getting that $2 trillion in tax cuts. You want to hear another fact that's kind of interesting? Did you know the budget for the Pentagon, our Defense Department, is four times bigger than the Build Back Better bill? the reconciliation bill. It's four times bigger. Now, these Republicans will tell us we can't afford the Build Back Better bill. It's too much money. But how many times have you ever heard anybody say, oh, we're going to give this much to the Defense Department? Oh, where's that money coming from? We can't afford that. Well, that's a different deal because that money is going to the people who make weapons and do things for Department of of, uh, Defense. And as long as they're feeding them money, then they feed our representatives money. It's a big fucking grift. And to be honest with you, it's not just Republicans. It's Democrats, too. But the Republicans are the worst of it. So these guys don't think twice about sending, what, $5 trillion to or or $7 trillion to uh, the Pentagon. But they really grouse at we Americans getting $1.75 trillion. That perfectly illustrates who the Republicans are. It's fucking ridiculous. So now this, this Build Back Better bill passes in the House. What does that mean? Well, we're not close to done yet. We're on the right road, but we're not done yet. So what happens is this Build Back Better bill, as it was voted on, goes to the Senate. Now, the Senate is going to look at this and try to change some things and make some cuts and do all that. Now, the important thing to remember is the Republicans aren't even in the equation because we already know none of them are voting for it. But what it really means is Joe Manchin, maybe Kristen Cinema, are going to be the deciding factor here. If there is a hitch to be put in this whole process, it'll be those two. Now, this is going to put a lot of pressure on on uh, Joe Manchin, because now people are finally seeing the things they're going to get and benefit, and it's just within a reach to grab it. If he dicks around and makes it a lot worse by taking things out, um, he's going to have problems. He thinks he's getting heat now. Wait till he fucking does something like that. That will be a problem for Joe Manchin. But the fact of the matter is, I think this is a done deal. Now, this is just my theory. Take a listen to it. See what you think. But I think it's a done deal. If you talk to the people in the Progressive Democratic Caucus, they're saying, I feel confident that we will get this deal done. And for months, we've been hearing about this deal being $1.75 trillion. 
That's cut way back from what they originally wanted, but it sounds like, from what everybody says, they've been talking about this behind closed doors, everybody has agreed on the $1.75 trillion, including Manchin and Cinema. That's why the Democrats are so confident that this is going to pass in the Senate. But here's the strange thing about that. The bill that was passed in the House is not $1.75 trillion. It's $1.9 trillion. Well, why the hell would that be? I mean, they've been telling us it's $1.75 trillion, but they passed $1.9 trillion. Well, in my theory, it's part of the negotiation with Manchin. Manchin has agreed on the $1.75 trillion. Let's say that's true. If they send the $1.75 trillion to the Senate, Manchin rubber stamps it, he looks like he gave in. Or at least he doesn't look as tough as he wants to look. So the House does this. They pad it a little bit, add something to it, something they don't expect to get, and make it $1.9 trillion. So now they send this to the Senate, and Joe Manchin can act like a hotshot and be a cool guy and say, well, I don't want that, and I don't want that, and then he'll agree to a certain number. And surprise, that number will be $1.75 trillion, like they all agreed on prior to this whole vote thing. You see what's happening in the House. They've said, we need you to sign this. We'll give you this, we'll take this, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. But the last part of the deal, in my mind, is we're going to make you look good. So we'll pass a $1.9 trillion deal. You can cut out all you want down to the $1.75 trillion so you can save face, so you can make the optics look like you're special and tough and fighting for your people. You see what's going on here. It's all a big fucking game. That's all it is. It's about optics. It's about perception. It's not about anything real. It's not enough to sign and vote for a bill that's good for the middle class. We got to make Joe Manchin look good in the process. Allow him to look like he's a tough guy and he's going to cut things out of this. So when he goes back to West Virginia or the Republicans and says, see what I did? They'll all clap and be proud of how tough he was. It's a fucking joke. And unfortunately, that's how much of what's going on in Congress is. You always hear it all the time. You see somebody step up to the microphone and rip somebody like, say, Eric Swalwell on the Democratic side. Rips him to shreds. And now I've heard Eric Swalwell say that same person will come up to you later and say, hey, you want to go grab some dinner or something? It's a big show. Our Congress is almost like the WWE. They fight, they cheat, they steal, they rob, all during the time the cameras are on. But when it's over, they go out and have lunch together and they're buddies. I think we deserve something better than that. I think we deserve truth. I think we deserve people doing the right thing for the right reason and taking care of the people they're supposed to be representing. But that's not good enough for them. They've got to look tough. And Joe Manchin is the worst of them. Now, people will say, we got to get rid of Joe Manchin. No, you don't want to get rid of Joe Manchin. West Virginia is a red state. 
If Joe Manchin isn't there, there's going to be a really hardcore Republican in there, and that's going to take us out of the majority, meaning the Democrats. So as much as we hate Joe Manchin, we're probably lucky that he's there because technically he's a Democrat. He doesn't always vote Democratic, and he's got to be kind of conservative because he's from a red state and he wants to keep his fucking job. So don't get too high on the idea of getting Joe Manchin out of there. He's probably better than what would come after him. It could be somebody more like Matt Gates or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Kevin McCarthy or some of these fucking crazy senators like Lindsey Graham or uh, Mitch McConnell. So don't hope for Manchin to uh, get kicked out of his Senate seat because it's probably going to be worse if he does. The only thing the Democrats can really do to take the power away from Joe Manchin is get more senators of the Democratic persuasion in the Senate. Get a bigger margin, a bigger majority, so Manchin becomes irrelevant. He's been irrelevant for many years, uh, but the only way we can fix this situation is by changing the majority in the Senate and in the House for that matter. We've got too thin a majority in the House we need to spread that out a little bit, too. Now, a lot of people are saying, look, Joe Biden's numbers are way down. We're going to lose in 2022. Joe Biden can't win in 2024. Now, Joe's not going to run in 2024. I'm just saying. I don't know for sure. Haven't talked to Joe lately. But he's 79 as of, uh, what, Saturday? 79 years old. By the time he gets to a second term, he'd be 82 years old. Now, he's doing fine now. He's in better shape than Donald Trump, yet his doctor's physical today. Sounds like he's got the typical problems a man of his age might have, but generally he's healthy. He's certainly healthier than Donald Trump because he exercises and eats well. Donald Trump doesn't do either one of those things. He's four years younger, but come 2024, Donald Trump's going to be in worse shape than Joe Biden. And to be perfectly honest with you, neither one will be in great shape. I think by 2024, we'll have two new candidates, whether it's Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris or some other Democrat. I don't know. But if the Republicans are smart, they'll do something other than Donald Trump. But right now they have a problem because Ronald uh, Donald, I was going to say Ronald McDonald, Donald Trump pretty much runs the Republican Party, which is a foolish thing to allow happen. But instead of fighting against it, they just roll in behind Donald Trump and follow whatever he says, no matter how fucking crazy it is. But people are worried about Joe Biden's polling and that that's going to screw up 2022 and 2024. I've said this before, and I will say it again. By 2022, there's going to be a whole different perspective on the Republicans and on the Democrats, and here's why. Joe Biden, as much as the Republicans say he isn't doing anything, frankly, he's probably the most prolific uh, president in his first year in history. You got the COVID relief bill. You got the infrastructure bill that we've needed for 40 years, and he's the first one to get it. Donald Trump tried, couldn't pull it off, but Joe Biden did. That's down. That's in the cash register. That's ready to go. 
Now, this Build Back Better deal is essentially a done deal. It's going to take some time to get it done, but it's been voted on in the House. It will get voted on in the Senate. It has to. And then Joe Biden will have that under his belt. Now, this stuff is going to be interesting because this will affect people directly. This Build Back Better deal guarantees that uh, if you're paying for your health care, instead of paying the ridiculous amounts you do now, you will only pay 8% of your income. That's a significant drop. If you're looking at child care, say you have uh, kids in daycare, we know how expensive that can be. Even when my kids were young, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it was fucking expensive and it was hard to afford anything else. Well, now he set it up in this particular bill where it will be 7% of your income. That's going to give people a lot more money to do more things, travel and such. That'll put uh, more money into the system, more taxes and all that sort of thing. And that's going to help the country. Here's one, insulin. These pharmaceutical companies have done everything they can to gouge people in this country. And it's sad because a lot of these pharmaceuticals are things that people need to stay alive. But when you can't afford that medicine to stay alive, you get sick and you die. And the government says, that's fine. Let them gouge you. You can do that. Well, they're going to start negotiating with the pharmacy companies. The government is. And that's going to change the cost of everything. And a good example is insulin. Now, I have a uh, niece who has type 1 diabetes, and she needs insulin to survive, and it's expensive. I think she's spending a 1000 bucks a month, maybe more. And she's just a young kid, 27 years old, married, no kids, but they're struggling trying to build their life and get to the point where they have more money and can do more things. You throw in a mortgage, and now $1,000 a month for insulin, it's hard for them to do anything. And they live in constant fear. What if I lose my job and I can't afford the money I need for my insulin? Then I could die. There's no reason anybody in America should have to suffer with that. We're better than that. Every other country in this world that's even close to us is better than that. Well, in this Build Back Better bill, this reconciliation bill, insulin will go from 1000 or 1200 or 900 a month down to $35 a month. People who need insulin will be able to afford the very thing that's keeping them alive, insulin. $35 a month is something most people can afford, and far better than $1,000 a month. These are the things that are in that Build Back Better bill. This is going to benefit individuals in the middle class. They are going to see it very quickly. Now, in addition to that, we have all these other court cases and investigations that involve Donald Trump, his administration, the people tied to the Republican Party. We are seeing these things starting to come to fruition. We're seeing Georgia maybe looking at a grand jury against Donald Trump. We are looking at the insurrectionists being exposed and the people in Congress that helped them being exposed. We have the New York courts tending to Donald Trump and his businesses and some of his criminal activity. So now between now and 2022, or 2021 and 22, 
we're going to see the American public get a lot of benefits because of Joe Biden and the Democrats. We're also going to see the Republicans exposed for who they are. There's going to be a lot of uh, trials and convictions and those sorts of things. So over this next year, it's going to be very important that all these things happen because come 2022, they're going to say, oh, the Democrats did all this great stuff for us. And these fucking Republicans keep getting arrested and going to jail. Tell me that's not going to have an impact on the election in 2022. Well, of course it is. We don't see it now because we're just starting to get these things into the system. The infrastructure bill, the reconciliation bill, all these court cases coming to fruition. That's why in 2022, the Republicans aren't going to win like they expect they're going to win. It's not going to happen. And then come 2024, whoever is running as a Democrat will likely win the presidency. Because by that time, that Republican Party will be destroyed. I said it when he took office, and I'll say it again. Donald Trump will single-handedly destroy the Republican Party. And for all intents and purposes, he's already done that. The Republican Party doesn't bear any resemblance to what it once was. It's now this authoritarian, fascist organization. And people are becoming tired of it. And they're getting scared. Remember, I had a lot of people tell me, oh, Donald Trump's going to win in 2020. I just know he's going to win, but he didn't. He lost by 7 million votes. And you know why? Not because Biden was the greatest candidate in history. That isn't why he got the most votes of any president in history. They got it because they were scared shitless of Donald Trump and him coming back in four more years. What they did is they got up and voted because they didn't want any of that and made sure whoever ran against Donald Trump, happened to be Joe Biden in this case, got elected and got, uh, got Donald Trump kicked out the door. Now, with all this racism and all this domestic terrorism and white supremacy and all the crimes and things that are going to be exposed, once again, in 2022 and 2024, the voting public is going to be scared shitless. Our country is on the verge of a fascist group, a fascist country. You don't think that's going to scare Democrats? You don't think that'll get them off their ass? I'll say that in 2022, an off-year election, typically the turnout is low. I'm going to say right now, I'm going to make a prediction, that we're going to have an unprecedented amount of people voting in a midterm that, that we ever seen in history. It may not be big as the presidential election year, but it will be bigger than we've normally seen at midterms because of the fear of the Democrats and normal people of being in a situation where we would lose our country to fascists and authoritarianists and dictators and that shit. People are frightened about that and they will react. They did in 2020, they will in 2022, and they will in 2024. The important thing is the Democrats got to keep the heat on, keep exposing them for who they are, and keep doing good things for the middle class. Show people how they are going to benefit by voting Democrat. And that is why I think come midterms in 2024, it's not going to be anything like the Republicans will tell us. You remember the Republican told us, oh, the Trump train's coming. It's going to be a red wave in 2020. Funny, it didn't happen. It fucking didn't happen. Now, they can say everything they want to say. They can claim they're going to win in 2022 and 2024, but that is bullshit. They have nothing going their way. 
when they had had power, they did nothing for this country. The Democrats are doing something different. They're doing the smart thing and working for the middle class. They will remember and they will vote appropriately. All right. Like I said, some good news, some bad news. Uh, things are moving along, so hopefully we keep on this pace. There's all kinds of other things to talk about, but I'm running out of time. We'll be back again tomorrow, of course, and talk about more stuff. I want to thank you for spending time with me now and past podcast and future podcast. If you have questions or comments or complaints, by all means, email me directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm and leave me a voicemail message. So, I hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.